Warning, the following show doesn't represent the opinion of CIDL, its employees, or the local clown college. Hi, this is Bill Edgerwood with Imagine No Religion 6, and I took a left at the valley, and you should too. I woke up this morning, had a burning deep inside. It's like when you're feeling, it's all a big lie. I feel the pain There's hunger and despair Stop the rhetoric of your teaching Time for us to share Welcome, welcome to another edition of Left of the Valley. I've got a bit of a frog in my throat, and that's perfect because I'm French. My name is Kevin, I am your host, and joining me with, as usual, my partners in crime. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Kevin. Hi, everybody. Good to be here. We have the incredible Dan with us. Hi, Dan. <laughs> yeah, use a mic, use a mic. The lovely Martina joins us as well. Hi, Kevin. And our friend, the Reform, from Chilliwack. Hello. And of course, in studio with us is our friend Aaron from CFI. Hi, it's a privilege and an honor to be here. Well, I wouldn't go that far yet. <laughs> this is a show about positive atheism, uh, secular humanism, and skeptical thinking. And thank you so much for listening. Uh, therapy time for you guys, you know, because you guys are like my group therapy. Uh, I wanted to quickly wish uh, there's a listener of ours in Kamloops. Her name is Kat. And uh, she uh, sent me a message yesterday that her father passed away. So I just wanted to say, Kat, here at the Left of the Valley, we're with you. We're uh, we're sympathizing with you. And of course, you know, as atheists, we can't really come in and say, give a lie of, oh, he's in a better place, you know? Uh, we can't really comfort people like that, but we have other ways of comforting people. Um, how have you guys dealt with the kind of loss? Not well most of the time. You think about all the things that you're going to say, but generally when you're practicing, you're not under the stress of having to see it and, and seeing somebody that's really hurting. So generally I find if I'm with that person, just hugging and saying, I'm so sorry, we'll, exactly. we'll help you get through it. It's about the best I can do. Well, we're a sympathetic ear. Um, my father passed away almost two years now. My God, time flies. Uh, pancreatic cancer and uh, at his uh, funeral I bit a, did a bit of a speech a bit of a eulogy and uh, have you guys ever seen that meme I should really pull it off I don't have it here uh, about how a physicist should uh, be at your funeral describe yep. you know saw that one yep yeah so uh, you know anybody who's uh, who, who who doesn't buy into the whole religious thing I highly recommend you look at that, how physicists, you know, will use the law of conservation of motion to basically tell you that your energy is still around. You know, your your atoms are still around. It's 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 a uplifting way to look at it because sometimes as non-believers, sometimes we can fall a bit short into that department. Excellent. All right. Anything else going on for you guys want to talk about? No. <laughs> hey, that's wonderful radio. <laughs> All right, Nancy, you're up. All righty, here we oh, go. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What happened? Uh-oh. Hold on a sec. Let's give it a shot with this then. Hey. It's about as good as I can do. <laughs> All right, and we're off to this day in history. 
And as we all know, it's a roundup of those events and individuals that altered and illuminated the days between February 22nd to February the 28th. So starting on February the 22nd, I didn't realize that uh, Scientology had a day that they call Celebrity Day. I don't know whether that's the day they bring them in or kick them out or whatever. No, they always try to bring them in. Celebrity Day and They always try to bring them in. It's the money, right? Yeah, I guess so. It's yeah, open open the wall up except from the Celebrities Day. Anyway, uh, on February the twenty second. Uh, in 1995, Steve Fawcett, and that name may not be familiar to a lot of people, but he landed in Leader, Saskatchewan, becoming the first person to make a solo flight across the Pacific Ocean in a balloon. Wow, and he took off from South Korea and uh, landed in Saskatchewan. He held a lot of different um, awards and set a lot of world records. He was the first person to eventually fly nonstop around the world in a balloon as well, and that was in, I think, 2002 through 2004. And uh, he was a sailor, a mountain climber, triathlon competitor, and a solo flight fixed-wing aircraft pilot and a friend of Richard Branson. So he was quite an all-around wonderful guy. February the 23rd is National Day in Brunei, and that was a huge day in, in history. In 1455, the Gutenberg Bible was the first to be printed with movable type. 1836, Battle of Alamo um, in our favorite state. Everybody know what our favorite state is Texas. at this point? Yay! Texas. Texas. Yeehaw! <laughs> and in uh, 1903, Cuba leased uh, Guantanamo Bay to the U.S. in perpetuity, which is kind of interesting uh, considering what's going on now to uh, close Gitmo. Um, and most important of all, in 1896, here we go, the Tootsie Roll was invented. So always good to end one of these days on a, on a sweet note for sure. February the 24th, Flag Day in Mexico. And here we come with one of those bizarre events that uh, I just I just love and I think everybody likes to hear about. And that is called the Battle of Los Angeles in uh, late February the 24th going to early February the 25th in 1942, which was less than three months after the U.S. entered World War II. So people were a little bit jittery and a little bit nervous about flying aircraft. And suddenly over Los Angeles, a very large, bright object appeared in the sky, and at uh, 3.16 a.m., air raid uh, sirens sounded throughout Los Angeles County, and the anti-aircraft batteries went nuts. They lobbed shells. They fired machine guns. They thought there was unknown uh, aircraft. They thought they were being bombed, uh, and it finally ended over the Santa Monica. Well, it went from Santa Monica Harbor to Culver City. And over 1,400 rounds were fired during the alert, and people were uh, panicked And because the, the shelling um, was loud and there were a lot of people that were watching it on the ground. Eight people actually died as a consequence of the anti-aircraft fire, um, five from falling shrapnel and three from heart attacks. So shortly afterward, the Secretary of the Navy called the incident a false alarm, which of course nobody believed. The newspapers published a number of reports and speculations of a cover-up. 
and some modern-day UFOologists have suggested that the targets were extraterrestrial spacecraft. You just can't have anything without a lot of conspiracy theory and and, uh, and nervous anxiety these days. But the uh, U.S. Office of Air Force History did attribute the event to war, war nerves likely triggered by a lost weather balloon. And it was front page news uh, along the Pacific coast, and eventually it was made into a movie by a group called The Asylum, and it premiered on the Sci-Fi Channel in 2011. So ending with, uh, with that alert that was back in 1942, Let's bring to a close another passing parade of interesting, mundane, unusual, and occasionally, although I like to make them regularly bizarre events, (laughs) and people that make up this day in history. Thank you so much, Nancy. (laughs) Yeah, you you got your time just perfect. (laughs) Now, if, if only the music would cooperate. So, my friend, you have a bit of a report. I have a short one. Let's set you up. Alrighty. Yay, music's working on that one. Uh, It's because it's my music, that's why. (laughs) Okay, so, welcome to another edition of the Reformation Report, brought to you by me, the Reformed. It's February 28th, 2016, happy leap year to everybody. Don't forget that tomorrow is not March 1st, but is February 29th. Okay, so my only real report for today is with regards to something that was posted on Facebook by a member of Ash. Um, and if you want to talk about something making me righteously angry, this will do it. And I think disappointment probably fits in there too. Um, the actions of students at UFV and the inaction of the student union, in my opinion, because, and I want to make this really clear that this is my opinion, it's not the opinion of crew members here at Left of the Valley or CIVL. It's something that was posted and I thought I'd bring it forward. So. The opinions of our friend the Reform are not those of CIVL. It's <laughs> yeah, there we go. That's our disclaimer. Okay, so I'm just actually going to read you the post because um, I think it speaks for itself. So this person wrote, I was one of a few who came out to watch the flag being raised at UFB at 7.30 a.m. today. This is about a week ago. It was done in part to show solidarity with the Pride Collective at UBC because somebody burned their flag. In part for it was also in part for Pink Shirt Day, and in part to show how the University of the Fraser Valley queer students have a place in this school. I have a bit of an issue with this last part. It's not that I don't want queer students to feel safe. Of course, I want that. My issue is that I want queer students to feel safe due to actually being safe. Coinciding with the flag raising, after only two days of having our office space, the UFB Pride Collective had our first real pushback from a few ugly sneers. I'm sorry, had a pushback more than a few ugly sneers. A little hand-drawn comic strip about how intolerant liberals are because they disagree with marriage discrimination. The comic was poorly drawn, poorly thought out, and laughably uninformed. However, that gesture, the sneers, the covert and overt bigotry that has been reported and ignored, the lack of actual support from the institution in general, with one or two individual exceptions, as well as the past actions of the UFB Student Union Society, all speak to the fact that this school is not a place for queer students to feel safe and secure. I still support the raising of the flag in solidarity with UBC, and I thank those at the institution who set it up. But this school has a long way to go before it earns the privilege of flying the pride flag responsibly 
and justly. So I just kind of wanted to put that out there because I think sometimes we see things on Facebook or we hear things and they don't kind of get the uh, the space in the media that it really is well relevant. And I think the point is really interesting that, you know, what this person was saying is that, you know, if an institution is going to say, hey, we support, you know, the queer community feeling safe, um, then they actually need to feel safe. It's more than just gestures. It's about actually following through and creating a safe place and a safe institution. So anyway, I just wanted to to read that out. Um, and I also want listeners to be aware that the 2016 Fraser Valley Pride celebration will take place at Jubilee Park in the historic downtown Abbotsford. Uh, the Fraser Valley Pride Committee is excited to be bringing the Pride back to the heart of Abbotsford on July 16th. So, make a date in your calendar. Get out there and support the LGBT community in the Fraser Valley. Um, I know myself and some of the crew members here will also be there. And all the members of the LGBT community deserve a safe community to live in without bigoted attacks by people that are narrow-minded and mindless. So anyway, thanks to... Uh, Thanks to my Facebook friend for posting that and letting me share it because he he said, yeah, go for it. So that's it. That's the only report for me today. Oh, it's a good report. It's a good report. Now, I totally agree. Uh, first of all, I, I, any kind of violence, no, word, no matter who is targeted, should just not happen, right? In this day and age, I think we can resolve with our differences with other things. We can sue each other. <laughs> I, I, I hope that the, the incident sparked some dialogue and sparked some positive action, you know, on behalf of the student union or, and uh, and also the students. You know, a lot of times good things can come out of events like that, so that would be the, the best possible outcome that it doesn't happen again. Yeah, I'm going to be following up with my friend, um, just to see if anything has, like, if anything has or what has um, kind of action been taken to address the issue. Because, I mean, it's all fine and well to, uh, you know, for someone to voice this is a concern, but, you know, then for the powers that be or maybe even people that are responsible kind of go, yeah, yeah, whatever. It, it just, you know, it's it's more, it just adds more weight to the persecution. It adds more weight to the intolerance and the bigotry. So I hope the university kind of, make a formal statement or at least take formal action about this yeah a lot of people have a tendency to say you know um this is a problem from the older generation and eventually that problem will go away as the older generation uh will move on and pass on if, if i could use that term but you know what that's not good enough that's not fast enough i mean you can't just keep father time uh take care of the problem right i mean th- 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 these people are facing injustice now and if it was, if we were in that situation, we wouldn't stand for it. And in a way, as they say this, we are. <laughs> well, and in fact, you know, the, the comment about the older generation, this is a university filled mostly with students who are probably between the ages of, what, 18 and 30? Yeah. So, you know, it's not even the older generation. This is a generation that have grown up with um, liberal idealism, you know. And, you know, even if you don't agree with it, you know, there, there at least should be some level of respect, you know, and uh, yeah, it's just it uh, annoys me in a way that I cannot express on the radio. <laughs> well, you could try at least. <laughs> Thank you so much for that, my friend. And we'll be right back right after this. Interested in a particular topic? You ever wonder where we find all this information? The Common Sense Canadian is a forum for critical discussion of the key issues shaping our world today water, energy, food security, and how we manage our resources to the public benefit while preserving our environment. 
So go to commonsensecanadian.ca. It's uncommonly sensible. You're listening to Left at the Valley on CIVL 101.7 FM. Anti-Semitism was preached as an official doctrine of the church until 1964. Do you think that might have something to do with public opinion in Austria and Bavaria and Poland and Lithuania? That the, the Jewish people were accused collectively as a people of deicide, of the crime of the murder of God in the figure of Jesus of Nazareth. And that, that anathema on them was not lifted until 64, well after the uh, perpetrators of the Holocaust had stood trial in secular courts and been rightly punished for their actions. How can this church say it has any moral superiority? It has difficulty catching up to what ordinary people regard as common moral and ethical sense, and it still can't make itself apologize properly. I just love Hitch. Yeah, I just made that up today, that little thing there. Like it? Yeah. Nice. I, I really said that you saw me with a quizzical look because I thought, I don't think we've heard that one before. No, no, it's brand new. It's brand new. It's brand yeah, new. it's great. Yeah, actually, sometimes I actually do something good. <laughs> <laughs> More often than not. <laughs> well, we're doing great for timing. Um, you know, I guess we should tell the audience that usually our podcasts go on for a little while. Uh, but uh, this time uh, we are actually trying to do a one-hour show because we're trying to fit in with the format of CIVL. So if the format is a bit different, don't be alarmed. It's all under control if you can say that with us. Fair enough? Yep. Excellent. Fair enough. Sounds good to me. So, let's try something else here. How about... Another brilliant moment brought to you by religion. Oh, now, now you have the bottle of supplements, Dan. Jeez, could have used that for the last show. <laughs> Did you guys ever hear about the Saudi Arabia's new religious police? They're now being trained in more than enforcing modesty standard. According to various reports across the Arab media, cadets are taking a five-day course in combating wizards. Witches, and as of yet unconfirmed, a plague of leprechauns. <laughs> yep, the Saudi media reported that 30 members of the religious police, formerly named the Committee for Get the, to Grips with the Occult, uh, uh, with the anti-witchcraft unit, formed back in May 2009 for this very purpose. <laughs> the kingdom takes witchcraft so seriously that it's banned the Harry Potter series. <laughs> Uh, which of course is rife with tales of sorcery and magic. In 2011, Abdullah Jabba, a political cartoonist with the Saudi daily Al Jazeera, told the media line, in accordance with the Islamic tradition, we believe that magic really exists. The fact that an official body, subordinate of the Saudi Ministry of Interior, has a unit to combat sorcery proves that the government recognizes this. Oh, no more Quidditch, Mr. Potter. That's right. <laughs> this is where we need a drop of Alan Rickman. <laughs> Turn to manual page 374. <laughs> there is no shortage of anecdotal evidence to say that Saudis are right in their conviction. In 2011, the anti-witchcraft unit cracked the case of the cursed wolf's head 
wrapped in lingerie with officers able to break a spell, allegedly keeping a family trapped in the cursed head's power. It was not confirmed whether the officers themselves need to use magic in breaking the curse or just regular detective work. Unfortunately, sorcery is no laughing matter for those accused of the crime, with Saudi Arabia's carrying out the death penalty for those convicted. <laughs> Amina bint Abdul Halim bin Salim Nasser was executed in 2011 for having been convicted of charges of sorcery and witchcraft. All right, I want to hear what you guys think about that. Welcome back to the Salem Witch Trials. <laughs> I've only that yes. much, right? This so is my, my first question would be, what, what's the pay scale on this job? <laughs> <laughs> is there danger pay? Is there danger pay for using witchcrafts and, you know, you, you get extra hours, extra time. <laughs> Are we saying that uh, if the pay is good, we have to raise some money to, for the flight over there for you? I'm curious. Yeah, in this day and age of, you know, Dungeons and Dragons and Harry Potter, you really have to be extra careful, you know? And these people are ruling <laughs> the economy of many worlds. You do, and it, it's got to... The, the, the really horrible part is how do you defend yourself against something that doesn't exist in the first place, and yet they've made it a, a, a crime that is totally in, indefensible, so... Going right to, you know, um, from the, naming the crime to being executed looks like a pretty clear path, and it's it's very scary. It must be very scary for people living under a regime, you know, like that at this particular time. That's when they need an invisibility cloak. An invisibility cloak. Yeah, yeah you're totally right. Yes. Geez, I really wish J.K. Rowling was here right now to guide us through all this. I'm a little bit reminded of Monty Python, so uh, <laughs> how, how do they actually determine that they're dealing with a witch? Is I mean, does she float? Well, she once transformed him into a newt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but he got better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so that's the wacky world of religion and all the fun stuff that comes out of it. Uh, okay, um, let's see. Did you guys also hear, I guess this is a, another segment, it's a different segment. Let's try... You know, last week, we did a show about uh, health food supplements, and we did touch on homeopathy. And this is actually from the Globe and Mail. Now, did you know that Canada's homeopathy community, I didn't know what was such a thing, but anyway, is launching a fight against a pending federal policy change that will prohibit companies from making unsubstantiated claims on certain products aimed at children under 12, 12 and under. Under the new policy, Health Canada will no longer approve of any health claim for homeopathic cough, cold, and flu products aimed at children unless they are backed by scientific evidence. Thank you. Thank you so much. Absolutely, it's about time. The change will end the near monopoly that homeopathic manufacturers have in having cough and cold remedies to children. I had no idea they had that. Yeah, that's oh, news yeah. to me. Yeah. Don't know they haven't. Definitely. Really? Mm -hmm. Well, you were. <laughs> You I worked in the industry. The That's right. <laughs> Not in my household, at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it's actually all you have to do is uh, go to any any um, supermarket that has a pharmacy, 
and go through their shelves and you will find homeopathic cold remedies. Yeah, I see them there. You should have seen the show last week where she was telling that like almost like it was like she had been a prostitute or something. You know, I was young and desperate and I sold <laughs> I sold health products. <laughs> it was just wonderful. <laughs> um since 2008, makers of over-the-counter cough and cold medication have not been allowed to market their products to children because of reports of serious injuries and death related to dosing problems with those products. I'm curious about death, though. I mean, homeopathy is essentially nothing diluted in water over and over again. So what kind of death can they occur through by this? Yeah, you can't really overdose on nothing. No, is it allergies? Is, is it possible that when they talk about death, it talks about allergies to certain it's a substances? possibility, yeah, because there are, um, it's, it's, it's a, not a, a very good line drawn between herbal products and homeopathic products. Sometimes a product that's supposed to be homeopathic, therefore a really good placebo, does contain something like honey. And uh, so I could imagine that there might be allergies. On the other hand, if you are using something that's a placebo, so does not have any active ingredient, you're, you're actually doing nothing to cure or heal, and therefore you're foregoing the actual medication that might help. So that leads to death, of course, as well. Hmm. So proponents of evidence-based medicine say that the change is long overdue, but still does not go far enough because it does not apply to other products marketed to young people or to any products targeting adults. So the homeopathic community says the change, which comes into effect as of July, runs counter to Canada's regulation on natural health products and is too restrictive. The Canadian Consumer Center for Homeopathy and Natural Homeopathy advocacy group has created a petition to stop the change and urging consumers to swamp a federal health minister Jane Philpott with messages about how homeopathic um, homeopathic remedies work for their children the group now responds to requests for comment did you guys ever see James Randi's bit on that on the TED talk now for no I'm not, I'm, we all know James Randi but um Maybe we all know James Randi. You guys yeah, are friends right. on a personal basis? Yeah, and yeah. anything he says, I generally I, I accept because it comes from reason and evidence. Nancy knows everybody. Yeah. She's, <laughs> she probably she probably went out with the James Randi a couple of times, you know, yeah. had a beer. Now, now you're dating both of us, and I don't know who would have the advantage there. <laughs> no, for for our audience, I might not know who uh, James Randi is. Uh, he was uh, the amazing Randi, the uh, magician that uh, essentially made a career after magic to uh, actually start I guess we could call him the father of skepticism he really started debunking everything out there and there's this wonderful TED talk where he starts and he, he starts with the line says I'm a charlatan and a fraud and I'm telling you up front and my, my aim here is to misdirect you and he pops open a full bottle of homeopathic medicine of uh, sleep aids and just downs the whole thing it just tells you that, like 20 minutes later like, look at that it didn't have any effect whatsoever and so it's uh, It was a pretty cool gig. And speaking of James Randi, he will be here in town uh, at the uh, Imaginal Religion 6, where he will show a movie that he did about his life, and he will also receive a an award-winning prize, you know, like a lifetime achievement kind of prize by some friends. Ooh, yeah, he really... just doesn't stop. When he wants to go after something, He doesn't he have, is it a million dollars that he's had? Um, as a yes. as an award for anybody that can prove that 
there actually are ghosts. How does that go, Kevin? Do you remember it's a psychic that the, the, the psychic? Yeah, yeah. That's well, right. It's That's not right. just the psychic abilities. Anybody that can prove a paranormal claim exactly. under scientific conditions, right. and you know, I should testing and double blind test. You know, it's not biased or anything like that. And the the prize has yet gone unclaimed. I think it's gone unclaimed for about forty years that I yeah. can remember, Some at least close tried. to it. I think I think it started with ten thousand dollars, and now it's like a million dollars. So if you have psychic powers. And you can prove it, then by all means, go to the James Randi Foundation and take the test and come out with a nice check. And yeah. don't forget to give me my cut. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you guys want to add about James Randi and homeopathic medicine? Yes, I'm looking at you, Martina. Later, I will come up with. You can't come up later. The show's not going to be recorded for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just uh, looking ahead in the future because I'm totally capable of that. And, oh, uh, there we go. There There's that go. million dollars. Ding ding. Where's I my can bell? I prove it. I saw it in writing that Alistair actually put down a date for a little homeopathic show where we go a little bit deeper into that particular subject. We always try to go deeper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And on that, we'll be right back right after this. This wish for tyranny in our own heads, do we stand the smallest chance of emancipating ourselves, our children, our allies, our friends, our comrades, and our descendants from the, the horror, the hell of dictatorship and mass murder in the here and now? I rest my case. Thank you. Here's an excerpt from Mum, Dad, I'm an Atheist by David G. McAfee. It is the same highly regarded concept of an afterlife that allows misguided religious people to justify the mistreatment of those who disagree with their religious ideologies. They are simply trying to protect you from eternal damnation in the afterlife by condemning you, insulting you, and even disowning you in this life. It is not to say that becoming open about your disbelief is always going to be met with these negative reactions and, in fact, that is precisely what this work is hoping to prevent. But it is important to understand that if you experience negative reactions from religious kin, it is probably a result from the religion's teachings and likely not from any personal vendetta or hatred. Find this audiobook and many more at AtheistAudiobooks.com. You are listening to Left at the Valley on CIBL 101.7 FM. And we're back. Good sir. You're here representing the Center for Inquiry. Oh, you're talking to me. Well, yeah, well, I'm looking at you. <laughs> of course, the audience can't see that. <laughs> we are going to explore CFI today. I want you guys to ask him questions. Put them on the spot. First of all, for people that might not know, what is the Center for Inquiry? The Center for Inquiry, or CFI... Is an international organization that promotes a secular society based on science, reason, freedom of inquiry, and humanist values. That's the tagline, right? It's a good one. I like it. It's a good tagline. Mm -hmm. uh, and to that end, they do a lot of things from running branches uh, all over the U.S. and Canada and then about a couple dozen other countries around the world. Uh, they maintain a, a few libraries. I've been to the one in Buffalo. It's got first edition Voltaire's and such. It's an amazing library. Buffalo has a library? Well, the CFI headquarters has a library. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we, they do all sorts of stuff, outreach and awareness. Uh, 
bringing around guest speakers and activism, doing letter writing campaigns to politicians, uh, organizing homeopathic overdoses and such. We should almost do that in the studio one day. We should do a show where we should just overdose here yeah. on homeopathic medicine and prove once at the show doesn't die on air that it's perfectly fine i'd be down for that absolutely <laughs> and of course they also published the skeptical inquirer and free inquiry a couple of my favorite magazines uh and uh, a bunch of other publications and newsletters and such and actually they also fight witch hunters come to think of it oh, really in uganda and such There's, yeah oh so you get a group fighting witches and you guys are fighting witch hunters exactly <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're the witch hunter hunters I, that's a good thing because in, God, in Uganda they know it's it's getting pretty screwed up down there. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we also do uh, among a bunch of other things. Uh, we're we've got a sort of asylum project going. You're probably familiar with the nonsense going on in Bangladesh and Saudi Arabia, while oh, yes. secular bloggers being targeted. Well, we're in cahoots with them and working on getting them refugee status and bringing them over to North America or somewhere. Wow. And didn't safer. you just join websites with? Uh person from the atheist side that we all know and respect and have followed for years and years? I, I, I Richard did Richard Dawkins? Oh, yeah. yeah. Isn't he now a, a part of, of CFI? I thought he joined your website. Oh, did he? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, I, man. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't believe how many websites there are. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, uh, my, my, one of my first experiences with uh, CFI was uh, the chapter in uh, Seattle. Where they brought out Bill Nye, Bill Nye the ah. Science Guy, and uh, that's one of the great things that CFI does. They bring out you know speakers. So now you are essentially running a chapter here in the region, in the Vancouver region, right? Yeah, I, th- I think technically my my title is Executive Director of Vancouver CFI. Okay, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So what do you, what do you guys have in uh, any big plans you guys are working on for the region that people should know about? Uh, a few things, some of which. Are in early stages. And I probably shouldn't go into. Okay. Uh, I'm also trying to fire up a local branch of uh, what we call Living Without Religion. It's a, a sort of a support group for people who are losing their religion and they're struggling with how to tell their family, how to get through their daily life, what's the meaning of life, what's their motivation now, that kind of thing. Is that done in cahoots with? Um, I know Dr. Del Rey does that a lot in the states with uh, recovering from religion. Is that based on a similar model? They kind of have a hotline and, you know, people call in and ask a few questions and it's just essentially an ear to listen. You know? I'm not aware of a hotline, but it's it's something like that. Yeah, there's, they're having meetings. I think there's one in the Okanagan and another in Victoria. And I wouldn't mind starting another one here in the Fraser Valley slash Vancouver. So what would that – can you maybe go into a little bit more detail? Because for, for myself um, – when I left religion a few years ago, something like that would have been really beneficial, especially in the in the Bible Belt, right? Um, so can you maybe go into a little bit more detail, like what would the group look like? What would the purpose be? How would you do the outreach, that kind of thing? Uh, certainly to begin with, it would probably look pretty small, uh, which I think is fine. Keep it intimate. And I imagine people would probably find us through the Internet. Uh, the people who might benefit from this the most probably don't have a whole lot of skeptical atheist-type friends who would be able to tell them about it so I, th- I think the internet will be the main way we get the word out there uh and i probably the first benefit people will get is just having someone that they can talk to that's like-minded somewhere they can voice their opinions without feeling judged or mm-hmm. or with actually being rewarded for it would there be um 
a therapeutic side to this? Like I'm just thinking for people that are going through a grieving and loss process, that can be quite Ooh. an emotionally taxing process, right? Absolutely. I think it was Christopher Hitchens that said that sometimes, you know, he missed um, he missed his religious background like he was missing a limb, but mm-hmm. he was better off without it because there definitely mm-hmm. is an emotional attachment. So what about, have you guys taken into consideration providing services for people that maybe are having an emotional reaction to it? I think that's that's the main benefit there is that what you lose when you leave that religion is the relations you have with the other people there that you talk to and get your comfort from. So the... The, the thing to do there is to replace those people with like-minded individuals, the people running the show here at My Living Without Religion and the CFI and the Ash Club here. Yeah, yes. Yeah. You often feel there's a bit of a problem in uh, communication uh, in understanding between uh, people that just come out of the faith and, and people that uh, are already out. You think there's, there's an issue there? Um, there certainly can be a lot of preconceptions on either side yeah uh, so yeah I, I imagine a lot of folks coming out of a, a very religious background uh, will have a lot of questions and they're probably going to find a lot of things aren't exactly the way they thought they were and that's that's probably why they're leaving the religion to begin with so it's, it's a continuation of that yeah I was having to explain to all these people what exactly the life is after uh, non-belief do you <laughs> so one more quick question about that. So when, oh, I ask a lot of questions. Oh yeah, what, you got to um, fill in the time here. When do you or when do you expect something like this to be launched, and how would people be able to find out more and keep an eye on it? Oh, uh, how quickly it launches depends on how much you want to help me. <laughs> there you go. I think you just volunteer there. Yeah. You can talk to me after the show. And if you Google it, you'll find all sorts of stuff. Even if it's not related to specifically something going on in the Fraser Valley, you can find. You can find lots online. Just Google Living Without Religion. Now, also, for people that might not know, uh, Aaron here is also the original member of the uh, local Fraser Valley Atheist Skeptics and Humanist Group. And for that, I thank you, sir. Oh, no problem. And uh, you started this group right here in this university, did you not? I did. Yeah, look at that. Look at where it's gone, you know, leaps and bounds, you know. It, it um, was surprisingly easy. I woke up in dorms one morning and said, hey, why am I not a part of the free-thinking, agnostic, whatever club this university has. So I went and looked into it, and it didn't exist. So what does it take to start a club? A couple dozen signatures, which I can get in an afternoon at the pub. Next thing you know, I was president of the UFV Atheist Skeptics and Humanist Club. And, and then I went and got in touch with the CFI, and they were incredibly helpful, mailed me all sorts of buttons and pins and magazines, and set me up with great guest speakers like Harriet Hall and P.Z. Myers, which made me look really good. Wow. So you had a Harriet Hall and P.Z. Myers come here? Yeah, yeah, they've been to UFA. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Now, Harriet Hall, uh, Hall, the skeptic, I met last year at Imaginal Religion 5. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's pretty fantastic. I never had the chance of uh, meeting P.Z. Myers. Um, do you plan in, in... I have a picture of P.Z. Myers kissing my baby. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure where to take that. <laughs> To commercial break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why I know the commercial break here. Um, do you plan on uh, bringing more of these kind of guest speakers down here? Because, Nancy, you were uh, for the longest time there organizing a bit of a speaker series for the Fraser Valley Atheists right, as well. We had right? Peter, Peter Bogosian yep. here. And, um, oh, Peter was awesome. I remember that. Yeah, that was, good he was, that was, that was the first. We've we become good up. friends. Yeah, oh, he's, <laughs> he's fabulous. He really is. He still misses you, you know? Yeah. 
<laughs> Every time I talk to him, he says, "Say hello to Nancy." <laughs> yes, I will. I will. We did. We hit. I mean, we really hit it off. It was it. Uh, it, it was delightful because he's a very down to earth kind of guy, and you know, which uh, is interesting for a philosophy professor. You would think. No, you know? I, one one quick amusing story is that when we had Peter come and we had a, a dinner for him, we were trying to figure out, wow, how are we going to get him to be able to meet everybody? You know, everybody's scattered around at different tables, and well, should we have him sit here? Should we have him sit there? And <laughs> he never sat. He moved from person to person. He worked that room, you know, like a like an entertainer would, and it was fabulous. He just made friends. The first night, it, everybody was calling him Peter and felt as though they'd known him for 10 years. He's, Very he's a great fellow. Very, very personable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I always remember the story when he um, he did that speech, that, that talk there at the university in room B101. And I saw him sitting at the very back uh, in a chair, kind of mentally getting ready. And then he moved to the front, and I, and I said, Peter, are you okay? He said, you know what, Kev? He says, it's, it's, it's great to be here in Canada because if I give a speech like this, I always, by reflex, Sit the very back because I'm always afraid somebody's going to come and hit me in the back of the head with a two by four. <laughs> and he says, here, here in, in in BC, in Abbotsford, in Canada, I don't have that worry at all. Uh, although you know some of the stuff he says is completely true, but might be perceived as controversial by some people out there. And I said, you know what? I said, Peter, I, I I'd be incredibly surprised if anything happened besides maybe a couple of people voicing their opinion. And worst case scenario, there might be a tomato tossed. <laughs> and even then, it was a bit of a stretch. But I I, I, I really remember that moment, and you know, we had a great time with Peter for sure. And Ooh. even if somebody tossed a tomato, they would probably say sorry after. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that would be a nice tomato. <laughs> it would be a nice tomato. <laughs> nice tomato. Organic. Would to re- it would be great to revive the the series because uh, we had three of them, and um, one uh, Beaters was sold out. It was free, but it was we packed the house, and then the other two were about three fourths full. So I think there's a, a need for people to want to hear. You know, lectures like that. Throw from, some names out. We'll yeah. try to make it happen. Mm-hmm. We're open to suggestion. Oh God, <laughs> dude, there's so many out there we can bring. Uh, I would love to, as my personal one of my personal favorite, uh, David Fitzgerald. If see if I can manage to bring David Fitzgerald here. Oh, I'm all over that. Uh, we had Richard Carrier, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. he, he, David Fitzgerald is not a historian like Richard Carrier, but he's the layman's version. Mm-hmm. So I, I think you relate even more. He was good. And we had Eugene Scott, who had to do with uh, making sure that um, creationism never creeps into any of the schools. She's retired now, but she, she was a huge force and a lovely lady. Yes, totally. And she, great, she, great to see everybody just the way they do it. And, uh, and imagine had, no religion. She had some choice words about the school district here in Abbotsford, too. And uh, actually, I believe it's actually the third podcast we ever did. Uh, her speech is actually recorded. If you guys go into the archives, uh, you'll actually find Eugenie Scott's speech when she came here to Abbotsford. Well, she initially, I, I think, that, um, I don't know how many years ago, maybe 10, but I, I'm probably 100% wrong. But she actually had to do with um, trying to get Abbotsford to stop teaching creationism in yes. their science classes. So she had never, I, I can't remember whether she had been here or not, but it was certainly familiar <laughs> to her. So it was nice that we, we could host her for that as well. So it's agreed, more guest speakers. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and if you get them down this end of the valley, it would be great because I know there's a lot of people, especially like in Chilliwack, 
you know, we've got a lot of people out there who either don't have transportation or they can't afford to go to Vancouver um, or, you know, cross the bridge to go and see some somebody, but they can get here now that we have the bus link. So, yeah, down this end of the valley would be great. We've got such beautiful support from the University of the Fraser Valley. Why wouldn't we? We had beautiful, <laughs> we had beautiful support from university. As long as the um, presentations are balanced so that everybody right. has a chance to express their views, they're very open. That's my preference. You know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hold on. You got what do you mean by balance here? I I, I you know, you see uh, good question. Yeah, because you know what? Balance you know, there are some subjects where you don't have necessarily two sides to the say, to, to to the argument. Uh, if they, I take for example, uh, climate change. You know, we talk about the media makes this this horrible mistake of looking at climate change and thinking, you know, they'll bring a couple of experts on climate change and then bring a couple of deniers. And then in the public's mind, Same it's a 50-50 thing. Yeah. yeah, but when you realize the numbers don't say that, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a 98% to 2% thing. It's not even that, right? I mean, so I, I think you kind of make a mistake when you, you always go with both sides of the metal. You really should pro- provide the facts as they are. False no, I think you're right, and I think I mm-hmm. totally misspoke. I think balance is the first thing that came to my mind, and I should have closed my lips really tight as that, as that word made, it, made its way through. But I guess it, what, the, what the important thing is that anyone who wants to have a voice in a civil discussion should be allowed to have, have a voice in the discussion. Mm-hmm. It, may, it may be balanced against them. It may be weighted against them. But at least they can say, yes, we provided a forum where um, a, a discussion took in all points of view. Does that yeah. sound bitter, Kevin? Well, thank Does that God. Sound because you, yeah. <laughs> That's hard you were crashing the show there. I redeemed myself with balance. <laughs> You're off the hook. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> all right. Uh, <clears throat> anything else you guys want to ask? Yeah. Abbotsford School District, someone brought that up. So yes. are you guys still working with BC Humanists on that? Uh, I love the BC Humanists, yes. We work closely with them on a range of issues, actually. And school districts is, is one of them. There was a rumor that the BC Humanists and CFI were supposed to team up for a couple of projects. And I oh, actually yeah. proposed that to uh, Ian when he came, and we interviewed him, and he didn't seem aware of it. So maybe uh-huh. you're aware of something that he's not. Uh, there's a couple things in the works. Okay, I, I, can I, you be more vague? Yes, I can. <laughs> I, I just want to make sure I can. I don't want to be more specific. It's, okay, okay, it's okay. Perfect. It's, it's top secret. Out. Yeah, it's top secret. Perfect, excellent. Um, anything? Oh, come on, guys, ask a question. The guys here, go oh. ahead. Unload on him. I could ask questions. By all means. Dude. Okay, dying with dignity. What's the what's CFI? Use the microphone. Oh. Then I have to keep leaning yes, forward. Yes, yes. Okay, so CFI, you guys are working with the dying with dignity group as well. We support them. Yes, we're letting them take the lead because it's it's kind of their primary cause. It's what they're championing, right? And our views are aligned with theirs, so we'll. Support them for sure. So the top three projects for CFI in 2016. Mm, I'm going to say uh, refugee projects doing the asylum. Uh, That's pretty big. Living without religion is is I'm sort of making my priority for around here. <coughs> and number three, oh geez, why don't I just name something that I haven't talked about yet? Secular Organizations for Sobriety. The CFI also oh. runs uh, a sort of a, a secular version of AA. It's, it's all the good stuff. Nobody. You know, that needs to be a show. That needs to become a show. Because you know what? Uh, there's something that a lot of people have a tendency to think about AA and they think it's all great. But their, mm-hmm. their uh, percentage of success is actually quite horrible. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, <clears throat> I think there are a lot of criticisms we could go into. Yes, make a show for, oh, and it's no, even absolutely. worse because a lot of times it could be court uh, imposed by a, ju- by a judge. Right, you can end up in front of a judge who says, "Okay, you're going to AA." And the entire thing <laughs> to them is, you know, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to bash AA here because you know they are trying to uh, get people off addiction of whatever it is they're they're doing. But I think that I kind of criticize their method. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm not questioning the intention. Of yeah, the intention is good, right? Although sometimes I kind of wonder if the intention is actually to actually help people or actually proselytize. So details on the secular sobriety. Explain. Because some people out there might be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. All right. Well, one of the main criticisms criticisms leveled at AA is that one of the steps is turning over responsibility to a higher power, saying that, you know, God's in control here. And and obviously that doesn't do a, uh, appeal to a number of us. Uh, and it's uh, some other criticisms of a more secular nature are that uh, they've got sort of an, a zero tolerance policy where some people say, well, maybe it, uh, you know, it's okay if you have a little bit as long as you're not going overboard. Uh, there's a few differences like that. Yeah, yeah. We should, it's totally worth the show. We'll we'll have to do a show about that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right. Anything else you want to ask Aaron before we let him go? No, I want to ask you to come back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Many times I'm, I'm usurping your job, Kevin, but uh, I, I think that – Get in line. There's plenty of us. I don't want to do that. You know, we are so – we do a better job We are me. so lucky because we have the university, we have BC Humanists, we have CFI, and if that isn't a golden triangle mm-hmm. of uh, a secular knowledge and influence, I don't, I don't know what is. That's, it just sounds great. I agree. This is pretty sweet. Yeah, I just had the one question. Um, is there any kind of prison outreach, anything like that? I, uh, are they involved in prisons in any Ooh. way? I used to work in one, so I. That's a good question. I, Not that curious. I'm aware of off the top and of I my head. I thought it might actually be the answer, but I, I, I could see a place for that. Yeah, I need to weigh in on that because um, I am aware that um, that prisoners can actually choose their kind of spiritual support. And uh, it's actually looked after in prisons. And so far, all I could see is that they offer a chaplaincy. But, yeah, in, in some, some cases, um, uh, Muslim direction, so people of that faith are also looked after. I haven't found anything for non-believers or non-practitioners yet, so... I wouldn't be surprised if they were being neglected. <laughs> and, and and another thing that'd be great if uh, see if I could get involved in it'd be great if we could also uh, maybe petition the local governments around here for uh, humanist celebrants mm-hmm. uh, because it's actually not recognized uh, here in BC. Is it now? I believe not. I don't. Th- I don't think. I no. don't think humanist celebrants are recognized. No, I don't think it is. Funny story. I actually uh, the CFI also puts on a program called the Certified Secular Celebrant. Uh, program. There's and, nothing funny about that. And uh, well, I took it. Okay, so okay. Technically, so, I'm I'm qualified. Wow. So technically, you could you could <laughs> so you could marry somebody here in this room. Mm-hmm. Uh, weddings and funerals. Wow. Both both have a, a well are pretty soaked in religion in most situations, but don't need to be. Wow, that's pretty cool. Don't don't you let anybody preach hellfire and brimstone at my funeral? Let me tell you. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. So make sure, in, make sure there's a Darwin fish on my coffin. <laughs> <laughs> it, in in light of what uh, Kevin's the, the listener from Kamloops who just lost uh, yes. was it her mother, uh, her father, her father. Um, how would you then, as a, as a secular uh, person facilitating a funeral, how would you how would you deal with that then? 
okay, I'm not saying I'm do- running around doing this right now. I'm not an expert. I took the course. <laughs> how, does the, but, uh, how does the course I, I would it? I would probably talk about some of the stuff like we were mentioning earlier, how uh, the, the things you've done will always be the things that you've done. There's a, a certain amount of permanence there, and we're all stardust, and we came from stars, and we'll go back and such. Uh, I also like to point out to some people that, uh, you know, before you were born, what were things like? Uh, you know, there was about 12 point some odd billion years of stuff you missed out on uh, the formation of the cosmos, the evolution of life on Earth, all of human history and all of your relatives except for the last couple of generations. And we missed out on all of that, but nobody seems to be too hurt over it. So why worry about the next 12 billion? I actually found that little meme I was talking about. It's titled, You Want a Physicist to Speak at Your Funeral. And it goes, You "You want a physicist to talk to your grieving family about the conservation of energy so they will understand that your energy has not died. You want the physicist to remind your sobbing mother about the first law of thermodynamics, that no energy gets created in the universe and none is destroyed. You want your mother to know that that all your energy, every vibration, every BTU of heat, every wave of every particle that was your beloved child remains with her in this world. You want the physicist to tell your weeping father that amid energies of the cosmos, you gave as good as you got. At one point, you'd hope the physicist would step down from the pulpit and walk towards your broken-hearted spouse there in the pew and tell him or her that all the photons that ever bounce off your face, all the particles whose path were interrupted by your smile, by the touch of your hair, hundreds of trillions of particles have raced off like children, their ways forever changed by you. And as your widow rocks in the arms of a loving family, may the physicist let her know that all the photons that bounce from you were gathered in the particle detectors that are at her her eyes. And those photons created within her uh, constellation of electromagnetic charged neurons whose energy will go on forever. You can hope that, uh, that your family will examine the evidence and satisfy themselves that the science is sound and that they, re- they be comforted, uh, comforted sorry, to know your energy is still around. According to the law of conservation of energy, not a bit of you is gone. You're just less orderly. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you, Aaron. Thank you so much. All right. Oh, Time. I didn't get to say you're welcome. I didn't do that. <laughs> Time for my rant. All right. At some point in our life, every one of us experiences some form of loneliness, whether after a bad breakup, a moment with a tough decision, or when, like many amongst this audience knows, you accept the reality of apostasy. Some have described athe- atheism as akin to committing social suicide, and the anxiety about the idea of loneliness for a social primate species such as ourselves has kept a great amount of us in hiding. But you're not alone. As more and more of us are coming out and taking our rightful place in the sun, you start realizing that not only you are not alone, you're actually part of a large active group, up to to 22% worldwide. That's one person in five. It's a much bigger demographic than plenty of other groups which already have a powerful lobby expressing their opinion. Wouldn't it be great to have a voice to express secularism? We will, sooner than later, but in the meantime, we make our voices heard through secular pro-science organizations like the CFI. They have taken on that challenge. They are out there on their own dime, not raised through tithing and offer education, advocacy, but above all, a feeling of solidarity. So you see, none of us are alone, and your membership only makes us all stronger. You have always fought, sorry, we have always fought 
through tough times together, this battle against the division of ancient superstition isn't over yet. Will you please join us? I want to thank you, Aaron, for coming here. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you, guys, for being here, as per usual. Anything you guys want to announce while you're out there? Uh, the CFI is a registered nonprofit charity, so yeah, get your tax write-offs. There we go. <laughs> What's the the website address? Uh, Google Center for Inquiry. You'll get okay. there. I think it's centerforinquiry.net. Yeah. Perfect. Coming up, our next show should be about the magic. Sorry, the size of magic. We'll actually have our old friend Wyatt Scott. Remember the guy who ran as a politician? He actually used to be a magician too. And we also have Gary, another magician. So. We'll, They'll pull a few tricks for us that we'll have to probably describe because nobody can see it. And we'll talk about what goes through their mind and what goes through the person's mind. We'll have atheist rapper Baba Brigman coming down. Uh, what else is coming up? You remember, Nancy? No, you lost me at pulling a few tricks. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever well, it is, it'll be fun, it'll be entertaining, it'll be informative, and all of the listeners will enjoy it. And you can check out the website, www.leftatthevalley.com. And Look us up on Facebook as well. Yep, and all the all the upcoming shows will be listed as they come along, and the previous shows are all there, as well as Kevin's rants and Reformation yellings and anything you want to see. Yeah. So check it out. And you can always write us an email at leftatvalleyatoutlook.com. If you want to talk to us about a subject we should approach or anything like that, or if you even want to come on to the show. So, thank you guys. Until next time. Why do we get such power? It'll surely 